0: But uh, I do think that Lenny, uh, myself, Prince, and OJ have the biggest heads ever in entertainment. (laughs)
1: Mm. He said said, OJ. Dude,
0: go go look at the video, dude. I'm telling you. Some big head motherfuckers. Four big head dudes right there.
2: All right, let's bring to the stage.
1: Welcome
3: to the B side. Scoop,
4: Isaac, Jahan,
5: Arthur, The Music Snobs.
1: This is The Music Snobs podcast. My name is Arthur, your lead voice, and I'm joined as always with my co-hosts, Scoop, Isaac, and Jahan. We have a guest snob for this session, a Grammy Award winner in his own right. But let me let me do the introduction because we're just. We hey, man, me <laughs> stop messing around. Get to it, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Van Hunt.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Van Hunt. Ah, that's good. In March of 2015, Van, I believe you released your third album, "The Fun Rises, The Fun Sets."
0: Well, I think uh, technically it's the fifth studio album, uh, and then I had a record of what were essentially. Uh, Songs that I had written even before my my first record, and I I, I put those out. That was called "Use in Case of Emergency." So, uh, and of course, one of one of those five studio albums wasn't official released. So,
1: your music touches on a lot of influences. We've got rock, funk, blues, R and B. Uh, where do you feel you live um, genre-wise?
0: Well, actually, I I fall in line with where Nicholas was going when you guys spoke to him on your show about there really being no no genres. As you know, Duke Ellington said, there's there's good music and there's bad. And uh, that's how I hear it. Probably much like uh, Prince grew up. I I grew up with with AM radio. So Mm -hmm. it was just as likely that I was running around the house singing a uh, Doobie Brothers or Joni Mitchell song as it was that I was singing of some, uh, some P-Funk. In fact, my my father and his brother, my father collected all of the the AM8 tracks and his brother collected all of the funk shit and they would just sit <laughs> and, you know, talk about each other. And now, you know, I just grew up with that. So it all seemed the same to me. And uh, once I found Thelonious Monk, that sounded like uh, that sounded like funk to me when I listened to his left hand and his foot tapping, uh, and the way that he would play the stride piano, it, it the rhythm was was funky. Yeah, and I listened to Philly Joe Jones with with, with Miles Davis. It's a, he's a funk drummer. I mean, really, a, a an old church drummer. You know, when uh, sharecropper blues came about. Uh, the, the the uh former slaves moved to sharecropping and then they began you know singing in, in their churches but they they never had a piano. It was just all foot stomping and hand clapping. And uh, you know rhythmically I hear all of that in uh, in those in those those people. And that was always what I tuned into first. So from James Brown to the Stooges to whomever. It doesn't matter to me. If the rhythm was there I could feel it. So I forgot your question, but that was a good damn answer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move into it. I know you're gonna steal that. <laughs> I'm still reeling over the amount and frequency of giants that died last year. And, you know, death can do wonders for an artist's back catalog. Just the emotion over the loss can motivate consumers to purchase music in droves, which is completely counter to the culture of music being inherently free that is being experienced now. And moving into today's uh, topic, Crowdfunding has uh, also started to bring some measurable value for an artist's product by creating an environment where where people are paying for music and they're doing this willingly and at scale. There were two high-profile Kickstarter campaigns that happened in 2015, started by TLC and De La Soul, each group wanting to raise money to record their next album. And both campaigns were fully funded and then some. TLC wanted to raise uh, $150,000 within a 30-day period, and they closed out with uh, $430,255, almost three times what their original goal was. And then um, De La Soul did much better. They raised $600,874 behind a $110,000 ask in the same time period.
3: Yeah, yeah. And
1: this was a successful strategy for Van as well. Uh, Your album, the fun rises, the fun sets that you released in 2015 uh, was paid for entirely through uh, a a campaign that you started on Pledge Music. So do you feel that this is the answer, crowdfunding campaigns like this are the answer to um, create better revenue streams for your work?
0: Well, (laughs) actually uh, my campaign was based on uh, as uh, I think it was Arthur who just said trying to place a value on, on the music um, we, you, when you guys talk about something being inherently free I'm not here to argue whether or not music is inherently free but I know that water is and yet we bottle it up and even Starbucks will have a, a, a basket of, of bottled water sitting right there by the door And you could easily grab one, walk out the store and not pay anything for it. But most people don't because they know there's a price to pay for that. So I feel like music is the same thing. Yeah, you can easily grab the shit, but somebody put work into it and packaged it up and left it there. So there needs to be some standard in the society for what's going to be paid for and what isn't. And as long as we can begin there, I think it's a good starting place. So I just wanted to to try and re reevaluate the value of the music. So I just said, well, let's run a pre-order campaign with Pledge. And, you know, uh, I used Pledge because the, the word made sense to me. I mean, what is a Pledge? It's something that you, you put down as security for something in return. Mm-hmm. And I, I was giving people a look into... How I make records and trying to get them to pre-order the music. That's really what it boiled down to. But even in that realm, I think it's difficult to uh, compare what you know what may be successful to me to what's successful for TLC uh, the even De La Soul. You know, those groups and myself. Even when we were all on major labels, we weren't on even playing fields. Uh, TLC, they, 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 I don't know how many millions of records they sold.
2: Mm.
0: I haven't sold one million yet <laughs> so even when i had millions behind me so I think you know of course they're gonna they're you know they're gonna be successful more successful in in however way they approach asking people to pay for their music you can label it however you want to label it but this is this is just where we are now instead of asking mm-hmm. for people to go to the store and pick up the music you're asking them to to pledge, or I don't know, ask them to pay for your your tour or your video, or however you want to word it. At the end of the day, you want to reach in their pocket and get them to pay for your shit.
5: You no, know, I I agree, and I think that at the core, of what you're saying is that one is an investment, and what are you getting is a return of that investment. You know, because I think that raises the level of expectations. You know, of the person that is investing. Even though you know the audience could have a say so because they felt they invest whether one dollars or hundred thousand dollars, you know that's still an investment. And what are you getting in that return? If if you're funding something or you help funding something, if you don't like it, you have the power to go back and say change it. <laughs> right. You know. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, I don't know you how you do sense th-
4: you have you have an investment. Exactly. In a, uh, you're involved
5: in it. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know how that works with artists. But here's my thing: Are we really talking about at the end of the day ethics? You know. Van made a great point about like, you know, using the water analogy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, uh, it's a real conversation here, not necessarily about how it's done, about but the ethics of an audience. Like, look, yes, we can get this free, but ethically, is that the right thing for us to do, to take it? Mm-hmm. Is that where we're Because we know somebody spent time and did this. We can actually walk out. Of, and there's uh, at the end of the day, there's no consequence to this.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: You know, you, can, you can't walk out of Starbucks with a water and, like Van said, not suffer the ends of, a con- of, of the consequence of that because now it's theft. you basically broken the law. There technically is not a law for doing that musically.
3: Well, there is. It's just difficult to enforce.
5: But but you're dealing with et- the ethics of the people. Somebody, but basically, you're dealing with the public making the decision like, look, it's only ethical to pay for this because somebody put their heart and soul into this.
3: Right. So taking the Starbucks analogy, or the water analogy, I think that most people are inherently selfish and... They'll only ever do what, they'll only ever do the bare minimum of what they have to do. You know, if a lot of shops didn't have any security or anybody watching the door, I think people would walk out en masse with free stuff. And I think it's the same reason that most people download music for free online because they're at home, they're alone, nobody's watching, and most likely there's no consequence. Well, okay.
1: I agree with both of you. But the idea of sharing music that is not new. It wasn't something that came with the ability to be able to c- compress a file into a, uh, an MP3 format that makes it easier to send over a digital connection. We, we exchanged tapes all through the 70s and the 80s. We bought, we, you know, we recorded our father's Dugged. or our sister's album put it on a custom head tape, dubbed it for our friends. So that that's not new. Yeah, the but, vehicle but, of delivery is new and makes it a lot more accessible and also gives you a larger pool of people in which you know to benefit from this. True, but the difference
5: is that there still had to be an initial investment in order to do what we did in the 70s. Agree. Somebody But now you don't have to have that initial investment. You can go around that. So if one person, somebody had to purchase the actual album first in order to share it with everybody else. Now there's no purchase to begin with. You can share without an initial purpose. That changes everything. Somebody can just download it and get it for free and then share. You know what I'm saying? That there's no initial start point where the artist is going to get financially rewarded for creating that art.
3: It's also a lot more anonymous. You can do all this stuff from the security blanket of your computer. But the opposite is true with crowdfunding. You're putting your money down. You're not anonymous. They have your credit card details. They have your email address. They can know who you are. And it's almost like you're making a connection with the artist. And I, I certainly felt that way when I pledged for Van's album. And not just financially, but you felt like you were part of the process. You know, you got to watch the development of the album as it was being recorded. It, it's, it's cool. I genuinely felt like I was part of something.
5: But that goes back to what I was saying about, do you feel right? Like, okay, I put in this. How is this going to change now? You know, do I have the power to say, you know what? I don't like that. I want this...
1: I mean, like, I'm not going to be like, well, you know what, man? Oh, hat. It was nice, but that it really wasn't hot, man. I need you to give me another song.
0: I can tell you right now, there are people who bought CDs from uh, Capitol Records who feel like I owe them something. <laughs> 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 they definitely feel like if they, you know, went out of their way to support me on Pledge, that, you know, I, there's a there's a deeper connection than just a consumer product and all of that is true i I actually i don't disagree with anything any of you have said i I don't know if you understand amongst yourselves that that all of you are right i think ultimately what we're talking about is what kind of society do we want to have Mm -hmm. um now having having said that you know that's such a big uh, subject that you know i don't know if we could even uh cover it in a, in a two-hour conversation but when you're talking about the ability to reach out directly to your fans and say i'm, I'm making this record uh can you pay for it uh invest uh, call it whatever it is shareholder you can be an executive producer i don't whatever um all of that can happen but it, it, at the end of the day I have this argument with, with, with other artists and, and journalists all the time. I, I'm telling them the major label system was fine. What's wrong with a system where an A&R person goes out and finds somebody talented, helps to pull ideas out of their heads, uh, teaches them how to, to talk, interview, perform, puts them on the road and pays for all of that up front. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem becomes when the label wants 99% of your money. Mm. The greed is the problem. And as Jahan said earlier, people will do whatever you allow them to do. And that is the issue as well. And so, but also, how do we protect ourselves from people doing whatever you allow them to do? That is the issue as well. And again, there's more reinforcement. Of a, of a law against you stealing bottled water than there is against you stealing packaged music.
2: Mm.
0: That's a problem. Mm-hmm. If anybody wants to continue to hear packaged music. Because mm-hmm. otherwise you're going to have Motherfuckers showing up with a, with a with a little bitty uh recorder talking about, hey man, I put a beat together. I'm a I'm just throw this shit out and give it to you. And quite frankly, that's what the last twenty years have sounded like.
5: That's what I say. You Basically, got that going yeah. on right now. You got that going on right now.
4: <laughs> Good point.
0: Yeah. So and that's and that's why because there's there's nothing in the way of quality control, which all of that speaks to the kind of society that we have from
4: the consumer point of view, I can see cats who never pay for music, you know, who rip it completely off the internet. Mm-hmm. I can see those same cats doing crowdfunding because they don't see it the same way. Cause you're talking about music that has been complete versus music that if I don't put some money on the table, I might not be able to get to, this dude may not be able to make his album. And I really want to hear his music. I'm just pointing out the fact that I think in this culture, people probably don't view it. Uh, ripping music as a they, as opposed to crowdfunding yeah. I think they see it as two different things
1: uh, Yeah, I mean I agree with that Because that threat, that threat de- is real me, You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like the- if
4: I don't give him this money The music is not going to get made
1: Okay, but let me devil's advocate this Because some of this I think also has to do with perception You know, the perception that Usher's latest album You know, I don't want to pay for it I can just go to whateverwhatever.com and download it It's It's almost like well, Usher's a, a millionaire anyway. <laughs> My 9.99 isn't going to hurt him if I don't give him this, all right? So you take an artist like that, a top-tier artist, and put him in a crowdfunding context. You put Usher in the context of a Kickstarter campaign or a Pledge Music campaign. Now I'm talking about perception, right? Does it make it look like Usher is begging if he asks for money to make his next record? Yes. soul, okay. No. What about TLC? In other words, in other words, look, look, look. Kick Kickstarter's thing is, hey, you set a base amount that you want to raise. So, how bad a look would it be? What kind of message does it send about their commercial viability and their relevance if their campaign didn't go right? What if Daylight didn't sell? Didn't 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 raise that money?
0: Well, I think that um, uh, Daylight, and TLC, and Usher feel just as badly when they go to the president of the label for money and he turns them
1: down. Right. Now I agree with that, but the public isn't perceiving it that way. Obviously. In other words, that meeting happens behind closed doors, and if somebody tweets out, "Yeah, Atlantic just rejected us," then okay, fine. <laughs> but if TLC, there'd be headlines that TLC didn't make the make the campaign. Didn't so make what, their what, vote. Are you,
4: what are you saying though? Are you saying that you? Uh, I'm looking at. On the I'm, back devil for the risk, I'm, I'm
1: devil advocating. I'm I'm playing devil's advocate against the any a negative side of crowdfunding about the risk that an artist takes.
5: But you're talking about the difference of just not just one artist. You're talking about two different artists. One that needs it and one that you say may perceive doesn't need it. That
3: right, right. Yeah, I get it. But other than the obvious examples, it's probably quite difficult to determine who, which artist is in greater financial need than another artist It's, You know, we've seen people who we thought had millions of bankrupts. We've seen others who we think aren't doing that well, still keep grinding, have a great career. I, I, don't, I don't think you can do that accurately.
5: Yeah, but I think there's a difference if you, like what Arthur said, if you go out there and you're a Jay-Z or you're a Beyonce or you're an Usher and you go try to, you know, do a crowdfunding campaign for your ladies' project and you don't reach, mm-hmm. you know, your, uh, your goal, but I see your ass in San tropez on some damn beach, I'm pissed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying because you got me invested in something money you don't need you you could have funded this yourself so there's a problem with, you know yeah well I mean on or, or if you're off your usher and you're getting a three or four million dollar check a uh, a week for being on the voice or something like that but you're asking me to help fund your project dude come on now huh? if you want to do the right thing if you can afford it fund it <laughs> yourself why are you asking me to fund it
4: uh, here's here, here hold on real quick though because I think we're missing a big component of what crowd, how how crowdfunding got to be popular and that's they built their marketing kind of off of emotion. It wasn't just about economics. It's about, if you care about this, donate some money to make sure that this project happens. That's how Kickstarter got <laughs> you know uh, uh, some popularity. That's how some of these other ones got popularity. It's about caring. So I think the perception is, if Jay-Z or Usher comes to me and says, or Zach, what's the actor, Zach Braff or Spike Lee, whoever comes and says, look, I need some money to do this. The perception is, well, you already have money.
1: You've already you know what got. I'm you've, already you've, got, already got you've already got. You've already got
4: connections. Sh- you right. can make this happen. Whereas, if Van or De La Soul or someone else of that, you know, comes to me and says, "Look, I need your help," I may feel I care about them because I feel like, look, this is the underdog. If I don't help them, you know, what I'm saying the music industry is not going to give them the respect but, that they deserve. Hold on. So, I I get what all you guys are saying, but I think that we're kinda of missing the component of why these crowdfunding things came to light. They didn't come to light to help Jay Z or Usher. Just to be you know yeah, to be real about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They didn't come mm-hmm. to light for that. They came to light to help the people who couldn't go down those traditional yeah. paths and get the money that they wanted. If you're asking me to invest, now I've got, you know, there's, some, there's a connection there that proceeds. That's more than me just buying your album. I bought your album. That's a product. That's just like me buying some sneakers. If Nike comes to me and says, look, I need your, your help to actually produce these sneakers and get these sneakers made, that's a different level of investment.
1: That's kind of the heat that Jay-Z is taking over Tidal. The, he's fighting a perception issue. Now, granted, it's not about crowdfunding, but it is about here's a top tier Artist, an icon, right? Who bought, he bought an existing streaming company that offers a, di- a different product than competitors. Right. Stood a bunch of artists on the stage who apparently invested as well and he botched and said, that was a botched launch why was that a botched launch why was there so
4: much negative press the next two days behind that because the
1: perception was that here were presumably Rich. multimillionaires right, exactly. asking for
4: even more money they missed that basic component of caring they don't understand that people invest prior to projects uh-huh. because they care they they invest after projects or after products are created because there's some value already in there. I can hear the mm-hmm. music. I heard mm-hmm. it on the radio. I saw an old boy with the sneakers on. I saw the trailer to the movie. I'm willing to go buy or you know whatever because I already know there's value. If I'm going to invest in
1: something before it's even created, I have to care about that. Okay, so so Van, based on what you've done, the fund rises, the fund sets. Would you do another Pledge Music campaign next time?
0: Yeah, I've been asked uh, a few times, and when you when you listen to Jahan talk about what it meant to him to mm-hmm. to pledge and participate in it, that's exactly what that's who I was doing it for. Was someone who I thought would enjoy the the watching the process of, of Van Hunt making a record, and also getting people to 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 pay for music to pre-order the the, the for the record. That really was why i signed on so i i got what i wanted out of it, it as a beautiful process in fact i was reluctant at first because of the perception you guys brought up first about mm-hmm. somebody coming and begging it's like your, your broke-ass uncle walking up to you <laughs> at, with his hand out nobody mm-hmm. wants nobody wants to see that and, and even your uncle doesn't want to be that guy doing that you know it's embarrassing but once you know i got over the you know whatever the perception was going to be and that turned out to be uh, a a waste of time anyway because you know no one no one came to me saying that they felt like I was begging and I knew I wasn't so uh, but at any rate it was I thought it was a a great process and it my, my point earlier though is that there is no reason in the world why being able to reach out to your your fans directly should have ever been excluded from your experience with a major label that's my point and I think Michael Jackson proves that I mean he had probably a more direct relationship with his core audience than most major label artists and he was the biggest one ever so it can happen it's just that it takes someone as strong as Michael Jackson who by the way at the time of his death owned nearly a fifth of the music industry
2: Mm -hmm.
0: just through owning, owning publishing that's mm-hmm. someone who's strong, who's, who's intelligent, and who insists on having a relationship with his audience. Mm-hmm. And when you have that kind of artist on one side and you have executives on the other side who can support that artist, that, then you're, you're talking about a brand new ball game where there's, there's enough money there to support the artist. The artist doesn't have to go out and ask for money, ask for fans to invest in a project they haven't heard. Just that's that's a key word, relationship.
5: Right. Van, let me ask you a question, real quick. Just just hypothetically, just mm-hmm. I'm 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 blue sky in here, so go with me on this. <laughs> let's say your project, let's say your project, right now, gets like Taylor Swift attention. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Like all of a sudden you blow and you have generated, you know, an equivalent of 2 million, 2.3 million. So you know this is this you you know. You basically cross an entirely different landscape, and now you're that dude. You you are the Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. Does that change what you do on your next project in crowdfunding? Do you go about it a different way because now you're looked at differently?
0: Uh, well, I think so. You're talking about if I reach that Taylor Swift success through this pledge campaign. Yes, exactly. Uh, Yeah, I think that it would it would prove that there's absolutely nothing wrong with a successful artist having a more direct connection with their fan base. And in the beginning of my career, when I had all the money I could have wanted as an artist and all the support, i was an artist that went to that had a a two-hour concert and and talked for two hours with with uh with the fans afterwards Mm -hmm. because it's enjoyable quite frankly (laughs) to talk to people who came there to hear you play and hear you play their favorite song and then they want to talk to you about it what it means to them in their lives i don't i don't know who the fuck doesn't want to hear that Mm -hmm. I, i certainly did and it was a lot of fun and that was when I, you know, I was a newly signed artist by the newly the new president of, of Capitol Records who had Beach Boy money to support my record with. Mm. So there wasn't any issue for me then. And it certainly wouldn't be now as an as a quote unquote independent artist who's, you know, using a new platform to, to sell this record. And then that blows up to, to Taylor Swift levels.
4: I think the key word that the Vance said that, that resonates with me is relationship. You know, and I, that supports my argument about the, you know, the level of care um, from the consumer to the artist um, that's involved with crowdfunding, as opposed to someone that just may buy your album. I would argue that if you sell a million albums, there's a million people out here who bought your albums, yet let's say, versus, you know, 300,000 people gave you money to create that album, there's a stronger relationship with those 300,000 people versus the million who bought your album. Mm-hmm. This, you know, I, And I think that, that, I'm glad Van said that because it opened my eyes up to that part of the argument um, from the artist's point of view. That's something that crowdfunding, you know, can do, you know, can create that, that sort of relationship that um, is very intimate because, um, you know, people took the time. You know, crowdfunding is easy as clicking on something either. You got to fill out a couple things, click this page, click that page. You know, people spend a few minutes and, you know, on the Internet nowadays, a few minutes is like a few years. If I can't click it quickly and move on, hmm. I'm likely not to do it. Mm-hmm. So for somebody to take a few minutes of their time, pull out their credit card or PayPal or whatever, you know, there's some investment there. So I, I just I feel like the model is just better for artists who you have that intimate connection with and artists who you feel aren't going to necessarily get the amount of love that they should get from a record label
0: i agree my my point is though man the the business of listening to music is as alive as it has ever been there's no denying that look at the spotify numbers the pandora numbers the problem is that that these labels they they never looked at monetizing that as a, a uh as something they wanted to do um, um. Instead of receiving twenty dollars per Britney Spears CD, you know what I mean? When Apple's, when Apple iTunes approached them and were like, "Hey, we're going, we're we going to get a a dollar for the this single, and we're going to we, we want to split fifty cent with you," they were like, "Hell no! We're getting twenty dollars for a shitty ass CD." Why do we want to do that? No, you go, do, you go run and do that. And we're going to shut naps, naps down and then you're next. So <laughs> the relationship was already off to a rocky start. It didn't have to be, though. If there was just this, the same thing that needs to happen social politically needed to happen in the record industry. Y'all needed to realize that $20 a CD was unreasonable for something that people weren't even going to like. So realize that your your pockets are going to go down a little bit, but the quality of the product is going to improve. The relationship with the the artists and the, and the and the fan base is going to improve, and overall, your your business and your culture will be healthy.
4: What's what's the future though? Where where do we go from here? What do you see happening next?
0: Well, I still think you're going to have to bring in some money uh, for that um, upfront marketing, because believe it or not, man. It's 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 nearly as expensive to market a record in this day and age as it was when when you were on a major label. It costs a lot of money, and I could break down the numbers for you, but you just take my word for it. (laughs) I mean, uh, uh, if you're not, if you go for radio, the 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 radio can sometimes just to just to get a good look at radio for somebody to say I'm gonna play your, your 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 song for a month. You you're spending probably four or five times what you spent to make the record. And that's just to get radio to say hello, how you doing? Now if they Whoa, catch fire, you're and then, you have to pay them. Yeah.
3: You have you, to pay them.
0: You, you have well, they, they they don't want you to say that. They don't you, want you me to say that. You can't say that
2: word, right? You can't right. say
5: that word, right? <laughs> 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 but yeah,
0: you go see the, you go see the Lakers ten times and yeah, I've paid you, right? <laughs> yeah. right, right. So wow. Wow. It, it's, uh, it, it's it, the marketing money is just as much money. And now to today the pressure is on publicists and marketing people to essentially do the job of managers and uh, radio. And so that's why you see, you know, artists attacking online uh, blogs the way that they are now. But all, all, the only thing that happens is all the money that once went to radio now goes to a publicist. But you need money to get people's attention. That has never changed. So one, to answer your question, we got to put some money back into this system in which they're trying to do. When you see uh, like the, the the new decision that BMI just got with uh, Pandora, uh, Spotify will be next and they, they're going to have to f- figure out a way to pay creators. And once that's there, then the uh, quality will be back into the music and there'll be, you know, hopefully... We won't then turn around and erase, erode all of the good things that have happened with Kickstarter and Pledge. Because I do think that establishing a connection with your fan base should have been the first thing you did.
1: Mm -hmm. Does that help you better understand in constructing a tour where to go?
0: Yeah, absolutely. The marketing uh, analysis in this day and age is incredible. Like, who's into your record? Where are they? What kind mm-hmm. of music do they prefer you to play? <laughs> I mean,
1: so it may I, be the same money. In other words, it may be the same expense, but you get more accurate, you get better results.
0: Yeah. But I mean, my argument is that it doesn't have to be the same money. Like, uh-huh. whether you spend in that radio or, or with a publicist or whomever, I, I just think the way that we spend the money and where. It just gets out of hand. It's almost like uh, the NBA. Not to pick on the professional athletes, but should the highest-paid NBA player be making three times in one game what the highest-paid professional educator makes in a year? Probably not. You know what I mean? But that's a mm-hmm. that's a result of everybody running after the money and running up the the dollar and the pressure going down on the on the ticket buyers. Those kinds of things have to have to cease. If you really want to have an uh, an opportunity to improve the product on the floor, improve the relationship with the product and the consumer and have a healthier culture.
1: Well, wrapping this up, just your opinion. Do you think that artists crowdfunding their next projects is going to be more of the norm? Or do you think it's going to be just a niche outlet?
0: Were you asking me or everybody? I'm, I'm asking He's everybody, asking you, but man. I know, don't care I know Jahan think. has opinions about this, <laughs> so it's kind of a...
5: Now, I, I like I like to hear Jahan's answer to that.
0: But wait, uh, that sounded like a challenge, man. What's... <laughs> Scoop, I love it, listening to you and Jahan go at it, man. That's entertaining. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> Um, You know, I I definitely think that uh, you you can already see it, man. If you look on the front of Pledge, the profile of the artists that are using Pledge are improving and getting hot. So that's going to continue to happen. If the labels don't figure out a way uh, how to get in bed with uh, Spotify and BMI and, and they work out all the royalties, then what's going to happen more and more people just go direct to fans and you'll see that audience begin to be more and more fractioned off and i don't i don't know that you necessarily want people to become uh desensitized to you uh as an artist approaching them to support your product i think that uh whoever said this earlier was probably on to something in that the perception of it uh gets a little shaky <laughs> mm-hmm. you know you keep coming to them over and over again and eventually or maybe not so eventually, uh they they do feel like they should play a bigger part in the product they're supporting. Maybe they will become your A and press. And then I think things get begin to get a little weird.
1: Okay. Jahan, you got an I just saw you you just seemed like you were chop, chomping at not That's chom- what I was like, you let's go, those Yeah, right. And I wanted.
5: you know, Jahan, I want him to get in on this.
3: Yeah, right. I mean, I agree with Van and I think, you know, there's no reason why crowdfunding for musicians should be limited just to albums. In the same way that other creative artists like photographers and painters and filmmakers crowdfund for documentaries, galleries, books. There's no reason that musicians can't use crowdfunding to put on a concert, for example, and sell tickets directly to the concert goers directly to the audience, cutting out ticket agencies with their admin fees, etc., and cutting out, more importantly, cutting out secondary market sites like Scalpers and the Touts who sell tickets at these just unjustified prices, where none of that profit is actually seen by the musician. But I also worry a little bit that the more popular crowdfunding platforms become, the more likely it's gonna be for a major label like a Sony or someone to want to buy Pledge Music. I was just thinking that. I was or just thinking for that. Warner Brothers yes, or, or for Warner Brothers to want to buy Kickstarter, for example. And as altruistic and as principled as we believe the owners of and the founders yep. of these platforms are, if there's a knock at the door... Thank you. And you know a hundred million dollar check is dangled in front of you <laughs> it's going to be very very hard to say no to that He's right and of course you know once major labels get involved you know like they do with everything that's right that's exactly what i was thinking yep
5: out of time somewhere jack it up yep.
0: but 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 Jahan, let me let me just say though it's it's not just them jacking it up you understand that we're allowing them to jack it up
3: yeah i mean Fair enough
0: Right And that beca- that's the issue I'm trying to point out We can have the society We want
3: Or we can have the society We deserve Okay that's cool But how do we stop that How do we tangibly <laughs> Shape that
0: I think The reason why Michael Jackson Is no longer here Is that he was well on his way To giving you an answer To that mm. It it takes strength And courage It takes that person who's sitting in the boardroom when all of these awful horrific ideas are being passed around and he raises his hand and he says is any of this good for anybody (laughs) maybe maybe we shouldn't fleece the customer (laughs) maybe we should make good quality product and allow the artist to have a good relationship with the fan base maybe we should respect the fan base
5: and then
4: that guy gets fired but I'm the
5: guy get fired when you does not have somebody it, like Michael it, Jackson at the table
4: yeah but I'm saying ultimately though because I agree 100% with what Van said but we talk about the masses and the masses are not going to move in the way that you know like I said we could shape the society the way we want it but the masses aren't moving that way they're going to They're gonna move with you know kind of which way they're, they're told to move so exactly. that one guy that one guy I agree with Van that one guy is probably in the boardroom or in the meeting or whatever saying yeah this isn't really good blah 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 he's in the minority he's the outcast
5: but, you know? is, but even if it is and i think michael jackson is is an anomaly in this situation because we're not going to find you have to be in order to get this done you're not going to find anybody that powerful yeah Michael. You know, that, that, yeah, that, that yeah. also holds the talent inside of him like not only do i have the financial backing that i've been able to uh, uh secure over the course of my career like basically i can do this myself but i also have the talent To do this on my own you're not going to find that individual but the problem is is with these with this big money that we're talking about that even if you do have the next michael jackson to come to the boardroom and make sure this happens the public is going to be told that he's the devil you know what i'm saying they're going to paint a picture of him as being almost impossible for you to it's already in. happened
4: with Ali. It happened with Ali. Yeah. you know, you had Ali going against the grain, saying this and that. He, as you know, they love him now, but back then he was painted oh, as he, but, the devil. But think about it. you. He had the talent. You he know, had, he the, had talent. the talent to move the masses,
5: right? So you become, if you become dangerous and a threat to exactly. the establishment, exactly. The establishment is going to paint you. They'll demonize. And you. They're, de- they're right. They will demonize you and do whatever they can to make your ideas, your concept, that may be in the best interest of the general public and the artists that we're talking about not have the public follow you because they're going to paint a picture of you as something opposite because right. they're challenging But to,
4: you know what, to Van's point, I don't think that, you know, Mike was the last of a dying breed and, and and I think that now what happens is even these artists or these athletes who reach that level who have that, that you know, enormous amount of talent, they are eager to fall in line. They're, they don't want to be uh, the outcast. They know, look, we can make this, I can make even more money by supporting what the establishment says. Um, so to Van's point, I think for anything to happen, yeah, it's going to take either that artist or group of artists or a group of consumers to move in a different direction. I think there's more hope with the consumer than there is with the artists right now. I think that the, the consumers are the ones that are starting to move away from these established
1: ideas um, more so than the artists are. Okay. All right, let's move on. Okay, we're going to shake this up a little bit we've got a new segment that we call verses and verses where we take um if we were for example we were going to talk about uh, a sneaker and we said okay the air jordan 3 versus the air jordan 23 and we're going to divide up the teams that's not even a conversation try, I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying <laughs> to right, paint right. a broad stroke stay within the top 10 at least without right. the first
5: 10 yeah Jordan 3 against the air force one yeah there you <laughs> go, there there you go. go. There a go. that's a conversation
1: so what we're gonna do is because we got five of us i'll be the so, like, this i'll be the ref this is
5: gonna be a regular this is i thought you were just doing this for this one particular thing this is new it's all, it's all we'll show, man. We'll do see. It after this one. I, 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 no, I thought this was just the one we were doing. This is a, you know, I didn't know this is going to be an ongoing, you know, thing that, that we bought to the show. That's we'll see. I, we'll I see after know.
2: this one.
1: We'll see after this one. So I'm going to divide up teams, and I'm going to give a subject in which. So we, we, need to argue have to, for.
4: We, we have to pick. Are you going to assign us
1: I'm the gonna, side? I'm going to assign you a and side. And have to, that argue, you have to that argue side, for. regardless of how we really feel. Regardless as to how you really feel. Oh, this shit feels like what I do on first tape. Good. <laughs> and at the end of it, you know, I we did, see I, who had the we see who had the better argument for the side, and then you can reveal what you you know what you really felt about it. So you might be finding yourself arguing against something that you truly believe in. So we going back to civics class, or is this debate class? <laughs> All right. So Prince's official catalog versus Prince's bootleg or his vault catalog. Okay, I see grins going around. So now, hold on, Jahan wants to say something. Go ahead, Jay. No, I'm fine. Right, now, no, Jahan
5: no. wants to well, Jahan wants to argue both sides.
4: <laughs> He's got a third I'm side. To, the, all right, I want,
5: I want the vault and I want
4: the, the store. Right. I want both
1: sides. So, I want the closet. I got the closet <laughs> argument. Can I all get right. the closet? <laughs> so I'm putting Scoop and Jahan on the same team. Ah, okay. And I'm giving Scoop and Jahan Prince's official catalog to argue. And I'm giving Isaac. And Van Hunt Prince's bootleg catalog to argue. So, which is the greater catalog? This ain't even a conversation,
4: but go ahead. <laughs> Jahad. This is like Air Force. This is now I see why you did that
1: Jordan uh, uh, wait, analogy. Wait, what does he get to decide and vote? How does this work? What are you? Is he? Are you the? Are you Oz? I'm I man out, so I, I, I have no I have no way in. I'm just I, I, yeah, like, can, that's, that's a bitch move. I a punk, that's a punk move. That's a punk.
5: I, I apologize, Van Hunt, for Arthur. Uh, yeah, it, it's
4: simple math. There's five of us. Usually,
1: there's Scoop. only
3: four. where the prosecution, they're the defense, and Arthur's the judge. <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> Spoken from the from
1: that the lawyer. Is
3: so prince's official
1: catalog we've got his classic 80s catalog we've got his mediocre 90s catalog that you can go against his bootleg catalog stuff all through the 80s albums that weren't released albums that were re-released in other configurations piecemealed out to stuff stuff that he reworked and ruined
4: <laughs> <laughs> i you know what though to start this off with i will i'm on the bootleg side You're on the bootleg side i'm on the bootleg side I will stack the consistency and the longevity of his bootleg catalog versus the consistency and the longevity of his official releases. I'll stack those up against you, and the bootleg is winning. The bootleg wins.
5: Jahan, shut this down for
3: me, man. Yeah, Jahan, Jahan, Jahan for the rebuttal. Yeah, Jahan, Jahan, drop
5: the mic on these fools. (laughs) Drop the mic on them, man. Come on.
3: I'm going to shut it down with five words.
5: My man. The Ballad of Dorothy (laughs) Dorothy Parker. Parker not
4: what didn't that start off as a bootleg though nope <laughs> <laughs> uh, arguably all his stuff hey man arguably all his stuff started off as a bootleg though which version though which version though see I'm gonna pull Jahan's tricks against himself which version no 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 no
3: there's only one version of Dorothy Parker and that's the version that's been released on sign I mean some people say there's an extended version but there you go there you go there you go <laughs>
4: So hold on, <laughs> if it's the greatest song ever made And there's an extended version that's never released Shouldn't the extended version be better Because it's more of the same? Not necessarily no, you Sometimes can't, You can mess can't up argue same, something right? you ain't heard
3: You can't argue something you ain't heard <laughs> Come on,
4: man
0: <laughs> Well, I, I think it's really simple, man when, when you're talking about The Vault First of all, a lot of that uh, has, has never been heard by anybody You gotta include songs like Wally that no one's ever heard except for some engineer who says it was the greatest Prince song she's ever heard. And she worked for him from 82 to 87 during arguably his strongest run. She said that was the best shit she'd ever heard him do. So to me, the sexiness and the allure of the unknown vault, dude, as long as that shit stays unreleased and unheard, it kills the shit we've heard. <laughs> <laughs>
5: nah, see, I look. There's a reason, and I give I give my man credit. He's 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 a perfectionist to a degree in what he does. He 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 experiments a lot, but at the end of the day, he's still a perfectionist. And I'm going to say that there's a reason that he put out and allowed to be put out what he put out. He had to feel strong about it. Oh, and I'm
4: glad. I, you, I'm glad you. Okay, go ahead. Finish that. Yeah, because I don't. You, said you know, that.
5: As, as much as Prince tends to possibly shit on his audience. I don't, I don't think he shits on him to the degree that he's going to like just put out bullshit. There's a reason some of the shit that he puts out is what he puts out. So from a commercial standpoint, he knows what's going to resonate and who's going to speak for him. And at the end of the day, he has to answer to that always. The vault and the bootlegs you can hide behind. As an artist, you have to honor what is part of your catalog and what you put out to the public. And I believe him as an artist, he put out what he felt was strongest at that time.
1: But he's one of those few uh, artists who actually have a volume, really the fans that almost forced the the unreleased stuff out into the open. So yeah, because it's so
4: good. But listen, I'm glad Scoop said what he said, because basically Scoop's argument is that we should trust Prince's judgment. <laughs> let me say that again. <laughs> <laughs> Scoop's argument is that we should trust Princes, no, I said Prince no, listen, Rogers Nelson's listen, no, judgment. No, no, no. Since '87, no, no, no. Since '87, '88. Raise listen, your hand no, listen, if you have trusted Prince's no, judgment. No, wait, wait. I never said trust.
5: <laughs> no, I said I meant I didn't say trust, but respect is right. Respect. His right. respect, respect his okay, respect. respect raise his your judgment.
4: hand if since '19, since post '1988, '89, if you have respected Prince's judgment. Nobody has a Van, I can't see you, but I'm assuming that your hand is down. <laughs> so to rest my case, I'm going with the bootlegs. So I assume that probably some brilliant, you know, unbelievably, unbelievably incredible stuff has been put in that vault probably since 1991 that we will never hear. This cast, has, I mean, we've talked about it many times on the show. And I've even argued against this, but since 91, especially Jahan, has been like, "Dude's judgment is terrible as far as what he's released thank you we can go back in the tape so but but, but, but so the
1: stuff from 79 wait, to 91 okay but, but 77 to 91 oh, i'm sorry 77
4: to 2015 I i'm not a, you know i'm not good at math how many how, how many years it is but it's more than 77 from if, from 77 to say 90 91 he's got more years now so if we look more at more years our, doesn't
5: necessarily mean more product. the
4: bootlegs are stuff that we haven't, uh, if we we haven't going, heard if we go by, you if we going by your, your statement if I respect his judgment I don't respect dude's judgment since well, uh, 91 I, okay. I, okay, I
5: respect <laughs> his judgment since 77 and what I'm saying from 77 to 91 what he put out he knowingly put out, I respect that. Now, the same if, we, if we're gonna go apples and oranges deal with how much material is put out, that's a whole different thing. If well, you're going look, by years, that'll well, see He's putting out the same amount. Well, I'm saying on. between the time, look, if he decides not to put out uh uh, 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 whatever, he didn't decide to put out Purple Rain, he didn't decide to put out you know, uh, uh, soft and wet. He didn't decide to put out dances and music sets for me. He decided to put out sign of the time. He's like, no, I'm not gonna put, it. he decided not to put out anything that he did for the time. I'm not gonna put that out. <laughs> nothing I did for the family I'm yeah. putting out. I'm deciding not to put any of this out. Nothing of this out. Because you're asking me to disregard the respect for his judgment to decide to put that out when he had other stuff in the can and then just hold everything from 91 against him?
1: But well, look, Van, hold on. When uh, we uh, say Prince's uh, releases,
4: though, just to clarify, we're talking about his his releases as the artist prince, not just not all the stuff he did for everybody else.
5: That's still part of the artist. Yeah, but, yeah.
0: but Isaac, you're going you're gonna have to stop saying personal things about Scoop.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, 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 okay, so Van, I mean, getting you in on this, you know, the album that never happened, Camille. Uh-huh. Now, that album probably would have been better than the black album with the material that was on it.
0: I've heard from trusted sources that it's funkier than the black album.
4: Oh,
5: I'm done. That's that's it. Done. <laughs> but but,
4: Moving but wait, on. wait, 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 wait. wait stop, Are we stop. doing a round table too? No, but wait, stop.
5: <laughs> no, wait, stop. But the stuff that was on Camille still eventually got released on other albums.
3: Not all of it Not out. all of it Not
5: all but still But what I'm saying There was still like Probably half of the album Still got out
3: No no Every track except for Rebirth of the Flesh has come out And even that's just A studio version
0: but, So was uh, the, there was
5: a reason He released some of that stuff
0: But Scoop And and, and it's, it's unfair Because I I happen to, to Have relationships With many people Around the camp
1: Ain't nothing unfair On this show
0: <laughs> But, but <laughs> I, will, I will say I will say that Most of the stuff That we have heard Has been a deliberate leak hmm Mm. And I have that on Good mm. Faith as well. And I also know that this guy is one of the most methodical, disciplined musicians any of us has ever seen, maybe with the exception of James Brown, in, in the popular idiom. And uh, I said
5: that at the very beginning.
0: And I, and I think that a large part of the things we haven't heard is that they've, they've shown him to be a, a, a little too revealed. And uh, he just didn't want he just didn't want anybody to know, you know, him uh, being in a a vulnerable moment. And I can understand that. But that also lends uh, credence to 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 my assessment that the unheard material is probably out of this world. If we love When Doves Cry as much as we all say we do. To think that something greater exists out there it's just it's just unimaginable and just sexy man just you know what scoop just admit it we we went we won this
2: no. Hmm.
3: No. go ahead jeff no, no. i'm back i'm back in the fight i had to go back to the corner to see my trainer because isaac hit me with such a hard <laughs> blow on the that cut. judgment point he had to clean out my eyes but you know i, I almost counted out but I'm back now I'm back yeah bruv round 2 round 2 let's go so Van tell me this song for song classic period 86 87 you're telling me that the bootlegs you know of are better than the material that got released during that period song for song
0: oh no I said I said 82 to 87 but I for actually for me personally uh, Prince was at his finest from album 1 and album 2 uh, mm. now I, I also will say though that he's the only dude we any of us can discuss who went nine albums straight before anybody can complained about anything that is right. fucking incredible
3: <laughs> like like bro is that not our point
5: <laughs> and that stuff that was released like incredible stuff that was released it wasn't complained about
3: <laughs> go through all the bootlegs that we have access to there's a lot more weaker material there van just said it right van just said it hardly any missteps on the first nine or ten albums, you know, look at Prince, look at Dirty Mind, look at 1999, My Beloved Parade, My Beloved Son of the Times, My Beloved Love, Sexy, The Black Album. It's flawless. There's hardly any tunes. Even if you took, even if you're talking like a 10% breakage rate, that's still far less missteps than the stuff that's on the bootlegs. I'll take those nine albums and forget the hundred albums or whatever that would have been recorded up to date at that period. Right. There's no, you know, like I said, there's no Battle to Dorothy Parker on the bootlegs. And stuff off of side of the, and stuff
5: off side of the time came from Camille. Okay, Van, <laughs> I, got, I, I got. Anybody one. got anybody I got, got, got a song now that, that Van, can go let, up
1: against Battle let, of Dorothy Parker? No, 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 Let
5: Van <laughs> keep talking because Van is proving my point. Keep talking, Van. Go I got a, I got a final point.
0: I got a final <laughs> well, you point. you know, but this is the difference between arguing someone who actually existed as a character in the Bible and arguing the existence of God. Mm. Ooh, I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> arguing about music that no one has heard. Uh, I could tell you anything.
4: But you know what? Real real quick, and I'll leave this alone. With, with the exception of Dorothy Parker, every print song that I brought up on this show, and, and even in private conversation on emails, and said, Man, I really, you know, I love this song, blah, blah, blah. The next day, Jahan has sent me the bootleg extended unreleased <laughs> version of that song and said, This is better. <laughs>
3: why are you bringing up old
4: shit man <laughs> how do you not deny it deny it deny it. and Jahan and, and Arthur is laughing because he knows because you on the emails he always does that oh man you know joint repetition that's my joint oh here's the unreleased version part one part two and part three they're better all the time
3: yeah I'm gonna need a minute <laughs>
5: yeah go back to the corner get the trainer to do something with you. this
3: is incredibly unfair <laughs> see, that's, that,
5: that, that's your boy going below the belt and bringing up something personal
3: hey, into every the conversation
5: time. see that, that's your
4: boy man he will send me some shit I mean I've been listening to Prince since I've been alive this dude will send me something that Prince probably forgot he had and be like this is better than the official release those will be his exact words on the email
3: judge that wasn't on his witness list <laughs> what kind of caught you running that's hearsay that's hearsay (laughs) (laughs) I'm done I'll drive Uh, my mic so look I'll, I'll, I'll say this I'll say this yeah you know the voice, all right it's con- <laughs> you don't even sound real right, 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 now. right. You don't even
5: sound. You're fucking up the whole case. Right. Vance and more convincing. The judge <laughs> is shaking his head than at he you right now. You just did right then. Vance sounded more convincing. <laughs> the Man. jury is like
3: that dude is lying. <laughs> all right, all right, right, round three. Round three. What about the B sides, bro? Mm. You know, mm. B sides. They are all in each and every case. Incredible, irresistible bitch. Seventeen days. Heroic City, shockadelica, scarlet pussy, la 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 hee hee he, She's always in my hair, hello. Mm. That was just a taste.
4: That was a taste.
3: Let Let him finish. That experience of running home and hearing the new track for the very first time. That experience was so special to us. Who are you to take that away from our childhood? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, now you're trying to get emotional. <laughs> yeah, get on
4: it. Are you going to break down a cry on the stand next? <laughs> Right, right, right. This is my Matthew
3: McConaughey, a time to kill moment.
4: <laughs> Hilarious. I like this segment.
2: Yeah, man.
5: Well, like my man, uh, Timberlake, told me about Eminem, you know, six million people can't be wrong. There you go. Nah, Prince is right. have y'all Have y'all ever heard him go and do a concert? with straight bootleg shit that nobody ever heard before. And he has the power to do that. No, it doesn't happen.
4: What does he go with? I disagree with Tim. Six million. How many people voted for Bush? Six million people can be wrong.
2: (laughs) 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 Who won, Arthur?
5: Who won? (laughs) No, but answer my question. Mm. Has he ever done a concert?
3: I I don't think we're done yet. No,
5: ever, ever. Has he ever done a concert, which he has the power to do?
3: With straight bootlegs? Yes.
5: Stuff we
4: never heard, we, and he has a power. And, and just didn't do any unreleased Right do, I don't know. I would imagine, though, he has. I would, I would imagine, bet because now, this dude has imagine, probably performed how, many, would, how would, many thousands of times?
5: I would bet he's never done that. Yeah.
4: Can and, even, other, and even if and, he and has, even done more that. Even more interesting question if he did a concert with straight bootlegs, I bet you that'd be the most talked about concert that he did talked that year. Talked
5: about and attended to and beloved or something totally I bet you it'd be the most beloved. But whatever. That's what you're betting on when you're guessing on something that hasn't happened. <laughs> well, you asked me
4: something. How
5: am I supposed to know? I don't know if it happened. or not. That's
4: my point, <laughs> is that Van. He Van knows. He's, he's had the choice
1: to do. It. He's had the <laughs> but, option but, to
2: do yeah, it. He's
3: the <laughs> only decided it that uh, can do hold that. Hold up. But he's had the option to do it get in. Let for some years.
0: I said, but he did do an entire concert of Raven to the Joy Fantastic. Yeah I, was, yeah, I don't think anybody was bragging about that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> did, he, did anybody remain at that concert? <laughs>
2: Shit. Okay, that was wait, a that's, post, that's oh, post wait, 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 But my point
5: <laughs> is that point. he's had a chance to do that, and there's a reason he hasn't. But, but okay, Scoop, look, you're saying on. he
4: hasn't done it. Do you know for sure that he hasn't done that?
5: I know for sure that if he has done it one time, it doesn't match all the other times he's had a chance to and not done it.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> <But> what? <laughs> you know, what? No, I'm saying.
5: Right. He, if he has a if if he as an artist has all this music in his vault, he can perform shit that we've never heard before. He does Doesn't, it all the time though. He chooses to to perform on his own accord the shit that has been released. Okay,
4: so let let me ask this. If he did a concert with two released songs and did 20 unreleased songs, what would you call that? Would you would you say would That, you s-
5: me, that would say to me that he's still vying <laughs> towards doing the stuff and loving the stuff that he put out commercially. Mm.
1: Oh, okay. That's that's thin. <laughs> <laughs> but it, oh, okay. the, the giant, when the judge says it's thin, <laughs> The judge like that's thin. So look, oh wait a minute, let's, is get, let's get let's let's get well, a rep let's get a representative it, from either side here's to here's just make a closing a, argument.
5: It, at least I'm still swinging. I ain't sitting on the sideline corner. And <laughs> well, I might out. <laughs>
1: I'm I might out still
5: fighting. I'm out here still fighting. I might be taking
1: blows, but I'm so out here still fighting. So look, John, can you make a closing argument for your side?
3: All right, all right, so. So aside from the fact that I don't wanna live in a world without if I was your girlfriend, (laughs) most of the evidence that the defense claims to have is either inadmissible or just plain doesn't exist. (laughs) Now they're disingenuously pointing to all this stuff that we don't actually have and that no one's heard and they're claiming that it's all magical. Instead of pointing to the only two official releases of vault material that we actually have, Mm. which are 1998's Crystal Ball and 1999's The Vault old friends for sales because those two albums the only evidence of vault material that's actually admissible here and okay. neither one of those suits their argument because the ratio of weak material to strong material was too high is that his closing
1: argument is this your closing argument because okay. you're asking a lot of questions in part <laughs> all right cool yeah. cool cool no no, no let
3: them roll with that let them roll with that no because see the, the beauty of closing arguments is you can ask rhetorical questions that's, that's what okay. and no one else is allowed to question it <laughs> 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 They're basically lying to you. They're weaving this fiction, which is way beyond the evidence that they have. Oh, oh, now he's accusing us of just making shit up. Stella got his groove back. <laughs> so, in conclusion, Your Honor, the only evidence we have really is the official catalogue, specifically 1978 to 1991. <laughs> He's he's shorting the catalog. He's shorting the catalog.
2: <laughs>
3: he's shorting the catalog. Okay. No, no, because no, this see, is great. No, no, because he he changed his name from Prince to Symbol, so you know it's a different. That's a different client. That's not. I'm not representing. We're not representing the
4: last twenty years.
3: <laughs> no, no, because see, Jackson Jahan. We're not. We're not. We're not representing that client. That's a different client. We're representing Prince.
0: <laughs> well, well, well. Let me ask you this. The best sex you've ever had. It has lived longer in your mind as an idea and mm. a fantasy. Mm. It has improved only with time. Mm. Now, if that girl came to you today and said, you know what, it could have even been better. And the shit that I held back from you <laughs> was the best part of me that has ever existed. Dude, it's over. So, <laughs> mm. case
4: closed. Damn. Arthur, I think the edge goes to the vault. Thank you. <laughs> we should also put this up
1: Mist for trial <laughs>
3: vote. Mistrial.
1: <laughs> mm. <laughs> so, okay, did I, of the four of you, did anybody argue the opposite side? Well, of the three of you, besides Jahan did anybody argue <laughs> the opposite side? I did. But they, I mean, so you believe the bootleg catalog? Oh believes yeah. bootleg catalog. Yeah, without question. And I know, Jahan, I'm assuming you believe the bootleg catalog is larger.
3: No, honestly, I'm stuck between, it's impossible to tell for me. I have literally thousands of songs, but there are just so many gems in both groups. I can't, you know, I, I can't live without either. So,
4: uh, first of all, let me say I, I, the other point I was going to make if John's crib was on fire and he had two hard drives, one with release and unreleased, <laughs> that brother's grabbing the unreleased. I, and he can only grab one, he's grabbing the unreleased. <laughs> He may think for a minute. Actually, he may think for a long 20 30 minutes cuz he would stand there and deliberate with himself. But he's going to grab the unreleased.
5: And be, and be burnt to death <laughs> the hard driving. Wait, I want to know you like the black box. Oh, but he, you know, Arthur, to, to, okay. to
4: answer your question, I uh I'm kind of in line with John. I think it's impossible cuz to live without Dorothy Parker is is that's that's unimaginable to me. But at the same time, there's bootleg stuff that you know, all my dreams, you know, it's like these songs are, you know, it means so much to me that to live without them is hard. So I agree with John. It's kind of it's, it's impossible. So I I had to argue during that argument. I had to say a lot of stuff that I really didn't feel. But I had to say. It. <laughs> all right. Mr. Hunt, did uh-huh. you
0: agree? Did you agree with what you argued for? <laughs> well, I have to say that. Uh, uh, Scoop and Isaac p- in particular did really well arguing shit they didn't even believe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Scoop actually scared me. He got so loud. <laughs> but, uh, you know, nice. I, 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 hey man, I mean, Prince, is, I, I think that he, uh, in terms of uh, the commercial realm of music, you you think about... Uh, what came before him just before him with, with, with Marvin Gaye and Sly and he was uh, the birth of, of a fantastic time in, a, in, our, in our culture I don't think that uh, it, it really has a chance to get get much better than that and plus the fact that you add in his discipline and his, his natural gifts I mean, I, I think he did it better than anybody. And that's not to say I listen to his music more than I do anybody. but Or he's, you know, personal favorite of mine. But what he was able to achieve and sustain that level of success, I just think it's incredible. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't listen to the bootlegs. And, you know, I can sit here and fantasize about the vault. But what he did, what's laid down, particularly a song like If I Was Your Girlfriend or a Ballad Dorothy Parker, That shit is incredible I I don't even want to say anything about it I'm going to go play it now
5: (laughs) (laughs) I've always I think I've said on this show That one of the things that made me go with the vault And the stuff that that we know about this in the vault Stuff we've heard in the vault that was never commercially released But also stuff that we haven't heard Goes back to when I saw him in 1980 uh, Before I think it was on the Dirty Mind tour uh, When he did here in Chicago At a spot called the Germania Room like, doesn't even exist anymore, right? He did a song called Simon Says. And it was basically a call and response with the audience. But it was called Simon Says. And there's something he's never ever done. Just some basically freestyle off the top shit. Still to this day, I, that was the great one. That was his greatest one single performance of a song I've ever heard in my life. Mm. And it came from, so that's why I leaned to the vault. I'm like, if he could just, if this is the type of shit that he's not putting out.
3: Wow, so you guys 100% believe the vault will be better
0: absolutely and I've heard that it, because it's more honest uh, I, I think I mentioned earlier that his favorite records of mine are his first two mm-hmm. and the reason why I say that is when I listen to it I really hear the desperation and vulnerability of a young guy who was like this is my one shot and I gotta have it I'm coming out of a crazy chaotic volatile home background I don't know what's gonna happen with me I gotta have this and you could just hear it and in, in what from artist to artist I could I, I know he poured his heart into that first record and when it didn't come back the way he wanted it he was like fuck it I wanna be your lover <laughs> <laughs> you know now y'all dance, so- y'all dance to this disco shit and I'm gonna put on some bikini briefs so you will have no choice cause mm-hmm. the music's mm-hmm. gonna be simple and I'm gonna look like a total freak you gotta pay attention to me you know who uh prince reminds me of is the stories that i've, I've read about mozart and that uh mm-hmm. when you think about as a musician when i listen to mozart i'm like whoa this guy has a little bit of bach over here a little bit of beethoven over here a little franz Liszt over here i mean it's just incredible his uh sense of arrangement and his facility Uh, And when I read uh, stories about the kind of person he was, kind of a frivolous personality, playful um, and one who it was difficult to get to know him. Uh, He reminds me of Prince in that way in that what he wanted to be relevant because there was something that was lacking in, in, in his past that made him feel like that needed to be the number one ambition. Was to be relevant as opposed to being honest because something about being honest and vulnerable had had uh rewarded him in a negative way and he didn't like that he never Mm -hmm. wanted to experience it again even though he kept the talent at the forefront he pulled the the honesty back and sometimes forgetting that the honesty is what needs you need to resonate with the audience in a way that makes you as relevant as you want to be
3: Van, just before we wrap up, I want to go back to something that you said earlier. You made a veiled reference to the fact that all the material that's leaked from the vault has been deliberate. Can I get it? <laughs>
2: yeah, man. I'm
0: sure as much as you love the, uh, the bootleg stuff and the idea of prints, I'm sure you spend time Googling this guy mm. and come up short, right? Mm-hmm. This guy has nearly complete control of the perception of who he is. And uh, he's paid for that. Trust me. And So uh, you ain't hearing what he don't want you to hear. <laughs> you ain't seeing what he don't want you to see.
1: Well, I'm pulling a full lid on it. This has been the Music Snobs podcast. Uh, we want to thank you for listening. We want to thank our guest snob, Van Hunt.
0: Thank you, fellas, for having me, man. It's really been a pleasure. Didn't you guys uh, Try to compare me To Lenny Kravitz man I got a bone To pick with you guys About that shit That
4: was John. <laughs>
2: no 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 Wait 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 <laughs>
1: This has been the Music Snobs podcast, and we'd like to thank our special guest Van Hunt for joining us today. We can be found online at themusicsnobs.com. On SoundCloud, we stream at soundcloud.com slash themusicsnobs. And we encourage you to subscribe in iTunes. And we can be found on Twitter, Total Music Snobs.